What's going on, everybody? You're listening to I Think I Know Basketball on the Big Heads Media Network. I'm your boy, Keese. I'm your boy, Kyrie. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you engage with us on Twitter, Facebook, IG to continue the conversation and let us know what you think, because we think we know basketball. Okay, the playoffs are here. We're a few games in to round one. It's going down. I'm your boy, Keese. I'm your boy, Kyrie, man. And look, this first round is going pretty nice so far. I mean, yeah, there's some blowouts and some games that haven't been quite as interesting. But, yo, some of the high drama going on in here right now, love it. Listen, I am really, really pumped about this Knicks and Atlanta Hawks series. Yes. This series is getting crazy. I mean, you got the mayor of New York calling out Trey Young in a press conference. I mean, you can't... You, I don't think Dick Wolf from Law & Order could write up a better script than this. You know what I'm saying? Like, this this is great. Yeah, it's definitely pretty real. And, you know, and you know, New York is so invested in this. Like, you know, they haven't had anything to get excited about in terms of playoffs for such a long time. So it's like, yeah, you, you got people feeling kind of big right now. You know, Bill de Blasio acting like he knows something about basketball, telling Trey Young to stop foul hunting. He looked like he was foul hunting on that game-winning shot that he had. Listen, it didn't look like he was foul hunting on the game-winning shot, and it didn't look like he was foul hunting when he was talking all that trash at the end of the game. But mm. one thing that is interesting with this whole series is, you know, and you've said it before, the NBA is just better when the Knicks are good. And I never really, really experienced that. And I guess here we are again. I mean, I guess the Latrell Speedwell, Allen Houston days was a time. But this is different. And this feels, they've been wanting it. The city's been wanting it for so long. And to see, like, some of my favorite rappers tweeting and Instagramming about the game and their excitement, it kind of drew me in. It's just, it was just so interesting. It was so interesting. Yeah, dude. And, and you know what, man? I, I think that there's there's nothing quite like it you know, I, people talk about New York being the mecca of basketball, specifically like Madison Garden or Madison Square Garden being a mecca of basketball, right? And we've never, like you said, like we we haven't really seen that in play. Outside both of young, like NCAA tournaments. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, but when we were both young, those Knicks teams were good, you know, like the Patrick Ewing teams and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But like that was that, that that was that was the peak, you know what I mean? And it's like those those Jordan years where like he where he wasn't here, right? Where he retired and and they like got and they they got so close, right? They got to the finals that one year, yeah. and it was just like they haven't sniffed anything like that since. And it's like nah. no, they're not going to the finals this year. Like they don't have that kind of team yet. But it's like it feels like the beginning of something. It does feel like the beginning of something. But they got to get it together if they're even going to make it out of the first round because having the slow start that they had in game one and having the slow start that they've had in game two is not going to cut it. They need to definitely jump out the gate a lot faster, be a lot more aggressive, and stop letting Trey Young do whatever the hell he wants on the court. Let's jump to another series that's just as exciting as this one. And I I think I called this one last, last episode... I want to talk about the Mavs and the Clippers. Luca, Luca, 
Luca. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, we talked about it at the very beginning that we thought Luca was going to do something special this year. And I'll tell you what, man, like the way that they're playing right now, this is t- like not only are they not scared, it's clear to me that they think they would have beaten the Clippers last year if they had stayed healthy. Like they they didn't go out and say all that. You know, they weren't all up in the media being like we were the better team until like Por- or, until Porzingis got hurt or none of that. But clearly, they believe that they're better than this Clippers team, and they're they're just they're just taking it to them right now. They're playing like a team that knows they're at full strength. If that makes sense, like they knew that during yeah. the season, you know, they had you said they had the, the injury with Chris Stops and like just things of that nature. But right now, it's I feel like they know that they're coming into the playoffs with their with their with a good hand of cards. And they're going to play the hand that was dealt to them. And, you know, trusting Luke. I mean, Luca is just having a field day with Patrick Beverly. Like, I don't even know what is going. It's like, it's kind of not even fair. Like, he's playing with him out there. I mean, he's exposing them, I guess. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> there just must have been, I, 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 don't, I don't remember. But I got to look back at this now and see if there was something spe- like specific going on between them last year or at some point this year. Because the way Luca is acting, like there was clearly some kind of provocation or like something going on, unless Luca just talks trash and that's what he does, because he's being downright just belligerent well, to Patrick there Beverly. Was, there was that situation where Montrez called him a white boy, but that was last year. You think he's yeah. still maybe harboring some of that? I mean, it's possible. It's possible because Pat that. was definitely giving him a handful last year in the bubble. It's just it's just so interesting, man. I don't know if the Clippers are going to make it out of the first round. Do you Certainly think that not. they're do you think that they're going to win this series? No. No, I don't because I think right now like no being, chance at all. I mean, of course there's a chance. Right? I I think what what needs I mean, what needs to happen here basically, I mean, well two things. Right? So I mean like yeah, Kawhi have 41 um, you know, Paul George had 28 in, in game two when they lost, you know, to the to the Mavs in this one. But I feel like you need like you need true superstar performances from both those guys. And then you need honestly the Clippers to just like grow a pair. Honestly, like 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 they're playing like they're so soft right now. Like it, it's just the, the, see, this is exactly the kind of stuff that we talked about earlier in the year with the Clippers when they got busted by the Mavs. Remember that? When they got busted by the Mavs by, like, 50 points? Yo. You know? and, yo. And maybe, yeah. yo. Maybe that's exactly what's going on. Maybe they're just looking at them like, guys, we beat you by 50. This is nothing. Yeah, like, we we don't respect you, you know? And, and I think that, you know, even back then, we were talking about the Clippers, like, you know, I just I just don't know if they got it. Like, they have you know, the, these two star players, right? And they have this this group of role players who, I mean, it's a little bit diminished, but I mean, I think that they reloaded really well with, with like Serge Ibaka, right? And they got Rondo and, and, and all this. So, so it's like they have a team that should be capable of competing for a title, but even with, even with you know, all that veteran experience, and then you got Rondo and his like, and his toughness and his IQ, it's like they're just getting clowned. Like I just don't oh, know man. how to. I just don't know how to say it. They're getting clowned. No, they got. They, hey, 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 
You've been saying Rondo. It's playoff Rondo. Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but but I, I guess that's the thing is it's like playoff Rondo. You know, is isn't enough to to do anything with this team. No, and and not. I think we talked about it in the beginning. Like, what's the point of Rondo? And it's like the point of Rondo is to kind of be that that ballast for a team that did need that toughness, right? That that was lacking it last year. That's why they didn't go to the Western Conference Finals. You know what I mean? But it's it's like apparently th- this cannot be solved by one guy. At no, least, at least can't. just not playoff Rondo. You know this this is apparently a this is a, this is a problem. This is a big time problem with this team. It's definitely a big time problem with this team. And I don't remember how long you know Kawhi and PG's contracts are for, but I do think that this core is not going to stay together for very much longer. No, man. I, I you know and and I here, here, let me ask you this question. You know, you're kind of talking about the core not staying together very long. Do you think Kawhi is out after this year? Do you think he's just like, I'm done? Oh, you know, I honestly, I, I, I don't think so because I don't know where he okay. would go. I, I don't think it's just okay. a matter of like, I'm Kawhi and I'm leaving and I'm going to go to a team and I'm going to shift the dynamic of a place like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. If Kawhi Leonard says, I want to be, I want to be traded. I'm pretty sure there would be a frenzy, right? Don't, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, that's a, if I want to be traded. In a in an off-season situation, where's Kawhi going to go that's attractive right now? Like, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Ultimately, is the answer to the question. I just don't see I don't see him leaving hey, the Clippers you know? and going somewhere that's better. Like, if he goes to the Lakers, like, you know what I'm saying? The Warriors, maybe? I mean, I yeah, don't know. See, it's no, an interesting he, situation. He going to the Lakers, man. There's no, there's no way. He's not he's going, going to the Warriors to the either. You know what I'm saying? Like, teams... There's a lot of teams that are established yeah. already that would have to give up a lot of the core that they just put together in order to get him and, and kind of make it work. Not necessarily, though. Like, like I mean, because here, because here's the the situation with Kawhi right now. They're gonna play out this this year, you know, his, his contract, obviously, right? Like, you know, he's gonna you know finish up with 2021, and then the 2021-2022 season is a player option. He could opt out. He does not have to opt in. If he chose to opt out, then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So then he could, in theory, decide where he wants to go. So okay. then you're okay. just talking and about signing so him to is, you know a max deal, right? So which is, is which why, is an issue in and of itself, right? Because you know, you're talking cap, you're talking you know salary cap problems now. Yeah, but this so this is why he had his uncle in on all the negotiations. It was what you're saying to me, so that he can have a situation where he could go where he wants at the end of all this. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think that right that that two year point was kind of like w- was an out basically. It's like if I don't like it, then I could get up out of here. Then then the question becomes right, like if he if he wanted to leave, like you were saying, where would he go? I mean, he's not going to the Lakers. Like we're not we're not doing this. That ship has sailed, and he would get ridiculed so hard for for going to the Lakers after you know doing this whole Clippers thing. He would look like a total beta. You know what I mean? Like trying to be like, this yeah. is my town. You know, I'm over here to resurrect the Clippers against the Lakers. Then the Lakers went out and won a championship. And now you're getting clowned in round one and, and, and all that. Like, like he, he, there's no way he's going to go to the Lakers. One team I think he will go to or makes sense for him to go to. And this is kind of wild. But it's a team that we should actually move on to this series okay. as well. But it's, it's a team that I want to see if this is going to shock you the Miami Heat. I could see Kawhi playing next to Jimmy Butler. 
I think that could work a lot more than than him working besides Paul George. And, you know, I'm just going to leave that on the table for the people and for you to ponder about. But let's move on to the Bucks and the Heat. So the Heat are down 0-2. They was in the finals, the Eastern Conference finals, well, the, well, the NBA finals last year. I mean, me and you was kind of saying last week that we think that, you know, the Heat are doing what they did last season. You know, they're they're percolating. And, I mean, clearly Giannis and Middleton have a lot to say about that. And I think that, like, once again, right, there's there's this kind of lingering, you know, anger about how last season went, right? Because, I mean, the Heat already came in and just busted them last year in a way that they weren't expecting because, I mean, they just came out and they out-toughed him and outplayed him. And then Giannis gets hurt. And then it's like, okay, at that point, we're just playing for pride, basically. Because yeah. it's like, yeah, we'll try to win a game. But, like, for real, like, that's an MVP that you just lost. So, I mean, I, I think that, again, you know, a lot like the Mavs, they were just like, uh-uh, we ain't doing this again this year. Like, we're going to show you what's up. You know, that first game was such a great game. You know, in overtime, big shot from Chris Middleton, big block by Drew Holiday. Man, like, yep, yep. Okay, Drew Holiday, love that, love that pick for this team, because, because again, just he's he's just he's better, he's tougher than Bledsoe, you know, and just just in so many so many ways, just better. Um, yep. And I think that, you know, that that was that was a wonderful first game. I thought that the Heat, you know, might might come in and you know, even the series up or something. And the Bucks were just like, Mm-mm, hell no. And they went ahead and just stomped them out. Like, and this is, that was the part where Giannis was just like, nope, you know, at this point, like I was already like kind of on my way out of the series. It's like this, this year, you're going to feel me in game two. Yeah, nah, I mean, and he's not playing any games. I mean, it's kind of interesting too, because for the first half of the season, there was um the the narrative that the Bucks are not as dominating as they have been. And, you know, you got people like the Philly, and you got the Brooklyn Nets. And the Bucks kind of took a back burner as far as, like, the media cycle goes and stuff like that. But they've been pretty consistent. They've been on an upwards trajectory since, I'll say, All-Star break. And they've been too percolating. And like you said, they just came out this playoff series, specifically against the Heat, and are like, listen, we know that you guys came in and put your foot in our asses last year. But that's not going to happen this year. We're gonna we're gonna defend ourselves, and that's what they're doing. I mean, they just kind of mollywop yeah. this team in game two. And you know what? I think you know that's a real interesting point that you made about the Bucks kind of being behind the the media cycle this time because last year they had Giannis. They were you know running all through the East. You know, best best team in the East by far. They were expected to go to the NBA Finals. They were expected to legitimately be champions this year. They're they're not getting as much fanfare. I think they operate better under those circumstances when they are a little bit more under the radar, when you got other teams front running. And now instead of having all this additional pressure of like, we're the best team in the league with the best player, like you better win or it's a disappointment. I think now it's just kind of like, look, you know, now they almost get to, you know, do that little underdog role where it's like, yeah, they still got Giannis and they're still a, you know, a, a good team on, on paper and on the floor. But now everybody's like, well, the Brooklyn Nets are supposed to dominate. 
So like what you got for us bucks and they get to do that whole, you know, use it as bulletin board material. They get to be like, you know, everybody's counting us out. You know, everybody's saying they're the best team. Well, what if we want to be the best team? And looking at this, this, you know, first round series, like these are the guys that beat us last year. And I bet you people think they're going to do it again. It's like, nope. Nah, I mean, uh, it's, the playoffs this year are so good. And it's so crazy, too, because the, the playing games definitely did set the tone for a lot of these storylines, a lot of this stuff. Not the storylines, but like just the tone for the energy around the NBA playoffs this year. Um, let's talk about the number one team in the East. We kind of mentioned them a little bit. Um, why well, I mentioned them when I was talking about, you know, the news cycle situation, but the Philadelphia 76ers, right? Is this not a fluke? I don't know what to make of any of this at this point in this, in, in everything. <laughs> like, I, I'm just kind of like, I've kind of just kind of been low key ignoring them the whole season. I mean, up until Embiid got injured, I was kind of locked in with them. Well, I'll tell you what, like they're, they're another team like that. You, you mentioned it where they're the number one seed in the East, but nobody's talking about them as the front runner in the Easter conference. It's the Nets, right? But Joel Embiid was the one playing MVP basketball, you know, until, until he got hurt. And they yeah. have, you know, this first round series against the Wizards who, you know, they, they came in and, and they, they claimed that last spot in the East, um, you know, <laughs> really in a situation where they looked like they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league and then all of a sudden they showed up and we're just like actually we're going to be good now um you know and snuck I mean, into the playoffs russell and westbrook so had like a million triple doubles in a row i mean i think he's the number one yep. triple double leader of all time now right all time yep yep of all time which is incredible you know passing you know the great oscar robertson um and and i, and I think that those are the teams that are dangerous to play sometimes in, in the playoffs because they're coming in playing, you know, the best basketball they played all year. You know what I mean? Like they were on yeah, a yeah. better stretch than a lot of those bottom end teams. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Sixers are better than the Wizards by far. Right. But what you wanted to see and what we are seeing right now is the Sixers just being like, well, we're going to take care of business. Like, yeah, you got your great players. You know, but we're the better team. We have one of the best players in the Eastern Conference. So we're going to beat you. We're not going to let you in this thing. And I mean, I feel like I would expect them to get out of this series and no more than five games. Yeah, and get some rest. And the second round of the playoffs is going to be very, very interesting. Um, we don't really have to talk too much about the Celtics and the Nets because Jalen Brown's <laughs> injured. And there's not really much the Celtics can do. It's like I've said this a couple of times. You know, they were going to be outgunned probably even with Jalen Brown, but having him would have made it a more interesting series. He was the one guy on this team that you could have realistically been like at any point, like, yo, you go guard James Harden, you go guard Kyrie, you go guard Kevin Durant, and you could rely on him to do a decent job on any one of those guys without him they don't they have they don't have a chance at that they they, they, they don't have nothing have any without him those guys and and so the, the celtics gave it their bet you know their best shot you know they they punched hard at the beginning of game one nets came back and were just like they they, they ate that they ate that hit and just and won the game and then game two was just a walk it's just hard to think that Again, this is going to go more than five games. 
the Celtics don't have anything for them. Just like you said, we, so I, I won't, I won't pain you any further. We don't have to talk about I'm that. I'm already much. crying. <laughs> let's right? move on. Let's move on to another one. <laughs> All right. So before we jump to the Lakers, let's talk about the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Utah Jazz. Number one versus number eight. The Grizzlies fought hard. They made it into the playoffs. They won the play in. They got rid of Steph. They sent Steph, light skinned Steph home. They didn't care if he was playing like an MVP or nothing. But they, they run against a Utah Jazz team that doesn't have Donovan Mitchell. And they still game one. Do you think that that would have been the case if Mitchell was playing? I mean, I, I don't see why not. Honestly, this is this is the kind of thing we talked about this off air. I thought that they were going to need to be worried about this Grizzlies team, dude, because the Jazz are obviously better. Um, you know, obviously you look at the other conference, right? And like, you're not really worried about Philly, you know, wrapping it up with the Wizards. And I think that in theory, you wouldn't really expect the Jazz to have that much trouble putting away the Grizzlies, you know, one versus eight seed. But something just feels a little different yeah. to me because John Morant is a killer, dude. John Morant does not care. He does he does he doesn't care about about anything. You know, he's not scared of anybody. Him he and Luca, will, him and Luca got that the same ball vibe. Shoot the ball and attack the rim. It's it's like he, he will he will attack and attack and attack and he won't stop until the game is over. And he has shown that when when it's in crunch time, you got a problem because he's just gonna again, he's just gonna keep coming at you. And you know, he put the he put the warriors away, and I feel like he's got that same potential where. If it if it gets close at the end of the game, you you better figure out a way to stop him. And then and then if you are able to you know get in front of him, then you've got evil Danny Green in Dylan Brooks, who, who's also over there making big shots too. Like he is is has been just as big. Yeah, I mean, I was saying I think that him and Luca have that same effect. They're both special and they have that thing where they they really significantly lift the level of play from their teammates. And like you're saying with John ja Morant, you don't want to be coming down to the wire in any games with him. But at the same time, you don't want to be not putting this team out like you're supposed to be if you're the Utah Jazz because mm -mm. I, no, I, if I no. if I no, if you I see, finish them yeah, I see a 2-2 series. I don't necessarily think that I look at that and say, oh, the Jazz are going to win this. I mean, if it's a 3-1, that's a different situation. But if the, if the Jazz aren't significantly ahead of this Memphis Grizzlies team as far as wins when it comes down to, like, game four, game five, then it's going to be real tough for me to just go ahead and say the number one team in the West is just going to go on to the next round. I think that they're 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 in some trouble. But... Not like the number two team in the West, the Phoenix Suns, who are playing the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I didn't expect the the Suns to to sweep the Lakers or anything like that. I mean, we didn't really know until like a couple of days ago who was going to be playing who. But in this situation, I think this is a good test for the Suns. This is a great test for the Lakers, and may the best team win. I don't want to say it's an even an even series, and I don't think I I don't think that the Suns are going to win. But I, I don't see them being in the same situation as the 
Utah Jazz as far as being the superior team in rankings and just supposedly winning this whole thing. I think for the Suns, it's going to be tougher to win. And I think that if they can do what they did game one, but they didn't do game two, if they can still a game in L.A., the Lakers may be in trouble. But if the Lakers win, you know, they're just probably going to go ahead and finish out the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, yeah. I I think that, you know, really the, the factor in this is I feel like the Suns might not be down 2-0 if Chris Paul didn't get hurt. Because honestly, I think that you know they, they obviously won game one even without him being hurt. And I think that, you know, they have a good they have a good matchup for for the Lakers, honestly, because especially for uh you know Anthony Davis who, you know, they've got DeAndre Ayton who can kind of beat him up a little bit. I will say this, though, is that all that size that, that the Lakers have, you know, where they kind of built that size back up that they had last year with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee alongside AD. And this year they got Marcus Saul and they brought in Andre Drummond. And those guys didn't really do anything game one. Um, people ragged on Andre Drummond a lot and wanted him out of the starting lineup. And he dominated in that first half. He really did. You know, he had he had like a double double in the first half or something yes. like that. Like he, yeah. he, was, he was all over the place, offensive rebounds. And, and so it's not the, the size isn't working in the same way necessarily as it was last year. But it's like it's still paying dividends because the Suns don't have a lot of height like that. Right. They have a lot of, you know, long, lanky players, you know, who are, who are in that kind of guard forward sort of body type and then you got Aiton who's you know a true center basically um so I think that you know the the Lakers also rebounded really well from they got the lead taken from them late and then you know AD bounced back you know I had a lot of people you know around me that you know were watching those games and talking about AD was you know playing kind of soft in game one and that he's got a little bit of a penchant for doing that but I'll tell you this, when AD has bad games, he almost always follows it up with a very good game. And it's it's just very interesting because I think that this Suns team very well could have been up 2-0, but this Lakers team is a championship team, and they took the Suns' best shot, and and they won that game. And so that tells me, honestly, that performance tells me that the Lakers are still the better team in this series, ultimately, when they're engaged, when their top two guys are who they are. So I think that ultimately, I expect the Lakers to pull this out. I would not be surprised to see them just take both games in LA, honestly. I think you're right. If, if the if the Suns take one of those games in LA, give one second, then I think it's probably go seven games. It's going to be a good first round. Like I said, I mean, the, the reality of the situation is the Lakers probably wouldn't be the number seven seed if LeBron or AD never got injured. So, I mean, this is this is just a good situation for them. Um, and we'll see what happens. You know what I'm saying? We'll see what happens. So, last series, we got Dame Dollar versus the Denver Nuggets. Okay, okay, the Portland Trailblazers versus the Denver Nuggets. I'm not going to say it's just Dame's team, but this is a this is one that can go either way. Now, you know, I was talking trash last week, and I said that without Jamal Murray, I don't think the Nuggets are just going to win this series, but I may be proven wrong. You know, I think that 
you know, I was I was kind of down on the Nuggets, and I and I think that when we talked about this, I was like, I can see the Blazers winning this series, and I still can. I mean, I think that, yeah, I, I think that ultimately, if you ask me, I feel like Dame is going to find a way to pull this out. I mean, he's been he's been nuts so far, and I, I don't feel like it's going to stop. Like he's going to keep on, he's going to keep balling. I have a lot of respect for the Nuggets and Jokic, who is an MVP candidate. And, you know, the way that that he's played without Jamal Murray, I really just kind of thought without Jamal Murray that I just didn't really see them winning this series. I mean, if they make it a series, I just say, man, like, you know, they, they keep on getting slept on, but that's low-key one of the, the toughest and, you know, most respectable teams in the league to me is the Denver Nuggets. And Nikola Jokic, like, this man's probably going to the Hall of Fame one day. Yeah, he's, like, he's, he's only so like much 26 respect. years old. And I, and, I, and I can see it, man. Yeah, Jokic has earned so much respect. And if there's one thing that this series against the, the Blazers is going to do is show that why, one, he should probably be MVP, and two, why he deserves all the respect that he's going to get. But at the same time, I agree with you. Dame Dollar's going to finish this team off. The Nuggets don't stand a chance without Jamal Murray. They need Jamal Murray. He's done. And Dame's hungry. You know what I'm saying? He's hungry to, to, to make that deep trek into the playoffs and to continue solidifying his name as a superstar that doesn't need to go click up with a bunch of other superstars, even though it may seem like superstars may want to come click up with him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I mean, I think that really this is just there's two teams that, you know, they're they're that they're those small market tough teams that every, like again, everybody kind of just like looks down on and they want their stars to go play in a big three so that they can like, you know, put them under the microscope and analyze their legacies and all that stuff. And these guys are just like, I'm just going to keep on doing my thing, playing where I play. And I got mad respect for it. I really do. Listen, who do you think is going to get a championship first? Dane or Giannis? Well, to me, it's going to be Giannis because he plays in the East. Assuming they both stay in the conferences that they're in, it's going to be Giannis because Giannis, like, the East is better. The East is definitely better, but I think that generally he's going to have an easier path. The West is just a gauntlet, man. The West is a gauntlet. But, man, I think that should wrap it up for this episode of I Think I Know Basketball, the playoff edition. You know what I'm saying? My man Kyrie's playing injured. You know what I'm saying? Shout-outs to you, man. No, man, I appreciate it, man. And uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. I think I know basketball. We're going to have more playoff action for you coming up um, because this is going to be a great postseason. I can already feel it, man. Uh, But until next time, man, I'm your boy Kyrie. I'm your boy Keese. Peace out. Peace.